This is Daniel Figella. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, where non-technical leaders go to stay ahead of the AI curve. If you're looking to advance your career in AI, not by writing code, but by guiding AI strategy and ensuring the return on investment of AI, well, you found yourself in the right place. And this is our Tuesday episode. We're talking about use cases and trends, and we're talking about the next phase of how data gets unlocked in the enterprise. Some of you who are tuned in will remember the big data phase when data lakes were all the rage. It was a nice abstract idea to create a data lake and put all of our data up in there, and many enterprises learned that it was then a data swamp. There was no real way to untangle and make use of that information. It wasn't built in any deliberate way, and it never really led to much value. Wouldn't it be great to take the next level of data's evolution and make sure that it leads to value sooner rather than later? Well, that's the focus of today's episode. We speak today on the topic of data fabrics. And what you'll learn from today's episode is what separates the idea of a data fabric from a data lake and the way that enterprise leaders can make sure that this fabric translates immediately to use cases that add value. It's not an abstract project. It is something that ties directly to near-term ROI in addition to building long-term capability. That's what you're going to be picking up today, and you're going to be learning from Amaresh Tripathi. He's the global business lead for analytics at Genpact. Genpact has some 80,000 employees, and Amaresh leads a global team of nearly 8,000 analytics experts covering everything from data engineering, machine learning, data insights, and more. He's also an adjunct professor and founder and chair of the board for the School of Data Science at UNC Charlotte. He was previously a partner at PwC, where, not surprisingly, he was also focused on data and analytics. What I like about today's episode and what you're going to benefit from is not only Abinash's energy, which is great, I love somebody who can bring genuine enthusiasm right off the bat to an interview, but also tangible examples. We clarify the concept of a data fabric, but it immediately gets directly into use cases that are applicable in business with real examples for some of Genpak's clients. So tangible examples is what we like, and there's a lot to learn about data fabrics no matter what industry you are in. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Without further ado, let's fly right in. This is Abinash with Genpak here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Amaresh, I know we're going to be talking about the theme of supporting enterprise decisions. There's so many ways that AI can do that. We're speaking today through a bit of the lens of a data fabric and how that can help to feed the improvement of decision making. Before we even get into the AI, when you explain the concept of data fabric to business leadership, how do you paint the picture and make it something that they can understand quickly? The easiest way I think about it is don't think about data to decisions. Data fabric is fundamentally starts from decisions and backs into data, right? And if you organize basically your data infrastructure around what are the decisions, so which metrics do you need for what decisions, and then you organize, kind of go and collect the data and organize the data to support those set of metrics in a consistent way so that every time you are making those decisions or they are part of the reports or part of like applications, you are using the same set of agreed upon metrics. That that fundamentally is that fabric layer of metrics becomes kind of the, the data fabric, which is the easiest way I've, I've found to explain to business users. And obviously, there's a lot of technical sure, details sure, behind sure. it. And most of the times, they are interested in it. And, they don't and, and when you explain how that differs from how a lot of enterprise data silos and data sources yeah. are set up today, how do you make it click? As Because some people might say, oh, yeah, that sounds like what I think we might be doing. But it is probably quite different than most splintered and, and stratified. Yeah, I, I think the, the main thing is it is not it is not about in one system or it doesn't take one system. It, again, takes multiple systems view across. That's number one. Multiple metrics from, from different segments of the business. I'll give you an example. So like one of the, what we, we kind of created a 
data fabric for one of the large healthcare companies for large, like more than $100 billion in, in revenue and for their financial planning and analysis. If you think about for financial planning and analysis, that's kind of the watering hole of all metrics that come, comes together. You need to think about revenue, you think about profitability, you need to think about productivity, you need, I mean, you, you name it, and that metric is important because that's either an operational metric or a financial metric you put to the street. And, and the challenge is when you have 25 businesses, 50 different like ERP systems, and there's a lot, bunch of stuff that is happening on Excel sheets all over, how do you actually come to a consistent set of agreed upon set of metrics that you would be able to go to tell the yeah. street in, a, in something? And that crosses supply chain systems, that crosses finance systems, but you bring it all together and have kind of create what we call the finance data fabric at, at that point in time. And that streamlined the entire, not only external reporting, but also kind of like you start thinking about use cases around how do I manage my cash flow? How do I manage my inventory? Yeah. I mean, these becomes kind of the drivers of like areas where you can go and dig deeper down into. That's Got kind it. of the. As, as opposed deal. to having seven people send you seven spreadsheets and then have to make guesses, you have yeah. maybe not at entirely ground truth because it's very hard to do that, but you have a very informed, single, unified view. Um, clearly, it. Agreed yeah, agreed upon. Yeah, a lot of lot of advantages there. And we'll talk a little bit about what it takes to get that ball started, because obviously easier said than done, right? I mean, there's a lot of companies that are excited about moving in this direction, but actually beginning to execute is challenging. But let's talk a little bit yeah. about what this looks like in practice for the improvement in dis- of decision making. I mean, even outside of AI, you know, just the example you mentioned yeah. with this uh, healthcare organization, just being able yeah. to better predict our own cash flows over the next three months, just being able to better understand what our needs might be for staffing in different areas based on certain operational metrics. Just retroactive, basic dashboard BI stuff feels like it would help improve decisions. Talk about maybe where AI even takes that to a different level when we have a data fabric in place. I think two things. Number one is, I've said, how you actually work, like in practice, how do you get started? As I said, I think about left to right, not right to left, not think about data to clean data, to organize data, to metrics, to decisions. Think about decisions, metrics, yeah, key yeah, data yeah, yeah. and back. That's number one, which by the way, which means you actually really need to know what decisions you are making. This has to be a business project that is supported by IT or combined together. So by the way, that is kind of where most of those things break, right? It's a, it's a, that's number one. And now you talk about AI. I mean, this is a great, great example. This is a specific example that we kind of would give you. The whole cash flow situation. I mean, in, in these kids, just managing cash flow, just kind of, or other example I give, SGNA reports, right? I mean, think it's a very simple thing. Everyone kind of, everyone has an expense that, I mean, think about 150, 170 business units kind of doing their own SGNA, which is basically how much money they are going to spend yeah. in the quarter. They're going to make an estimate, right? Someone is traveling, suddenly COVID happens, you cannot travel, there are new employees you're hiring. It's just all kinds of things that happen in the business and you're committed to a number. And what happens is what the finance person will do is they will say, oh, listen, this number, you were said it will be 10 and it is 15 right now at the end of month one. And then you will pick up a phone and say, listen, this is 15 instead of 10. And the business person will say, oh, you know what? I'll still be 50 at the end of the quarter. Don't worry about it. I'm just kind of simplifying. That stuff just happens again and again and again. Now we have the data fabric. What we did was we essentially put anomaly detection. It's much easier to now put anomaly detection once you have a a agreed upon source of truth. And we said, listen, these businesses for the first two months always actually overshoot, then they kind of track it down. And these ones, if they overshoot right now, they are more likely to kind of actually overshoot the expense. 
So think about SGN expense, and suddenly we say we are going to do basically a statistical quality control and an anomaly detection uh, algorithm right there. So by that time, instead of 170, you only need to care about these three or four, which is this management of exceptions. These are the ones that will be that will be exceptions. Now let's go and figure out what's actually happening there because that's where you're going to miss the numbers. You're not going to miss the numbers in the 120. That's kind of an example of you have the data fabric. Now you put an AI on top of it because you're you're, you're unable to do that and you are able to change the business. Got process. it. Okay, so this makes sense. And then, of course, even in this case, you know, we're just looking at presuming this is financial data in the first place. It's yeah. not the level of complicatedness of an AI application is not its level of value. Sometimes, simply looking at anomaly detection, which might not be rocket science, it, it is. It is sometimes closer to rocket science to actually get that data ready. But once we're there, we can run very simple, you know, statistical modeling on things, get a sense of what's more likely to overshoot, undershoot. I would presume in that kind of a case, we'd have to have some kind of historical info and say, how do these numbers respond when these other things happen? What's the seasonality here? And so you you would need to you need to set up enough of that to have a baseline for anomaly detection. Yeah, it is not as straightforward because what actually happens, by the way, what actually happens is in each of these things, there is seasonality, there is all oh, yeah. kinds of things, and there are one-offs. Yep. Businesses have one-offs, right? Totally time, happens. Right? Which the models won't detect. So normally the structure that we what we have there, which is what we call augmented intelligence, you have the whole, the machine says these, this is kind of what you need to worry about. You don't need to worry about and this thing. And then there is a finance manager who has experience in thinking about it. He actually looks at it and says, okay, these things make sense. These things doesn't make sense. Improves the model, but also makes it, it's not like the, oh, but the, but the machine is saying, and that's why you are calling me or you're not calling me. There is a, there's a human judgment aspect Certainly. of it, which is very important in this. this totally. Space. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're far from the point where, uh, you know, we can just run a machine on our finance data and be like, well, that's all right. We'll, we'll make all of our financial decisions this way. Clearly, clearly it's augmenting the work of people. It's letting us know where to pay attention. So you've got a smart finance manager who understands the business, who probably understands, hey, our data fabric doesn't include this kind of activity with these kind of vendors. But to be honest, when that activity happens, it is going to show up here. I don't think this is anomaly. This is normal. And then they'll be able to move beyond it. So there's all that high level context that has to happen. You brought up an important point. We'll get into maybe some more examples here, but you said something that a lot of folks in the AI space on the vendor side have, have mentioned. And I think is also crucial just from adoption if you work in an enterprise, which is this has to be a business project and problem, not an IT problem. I think yeah. some people think data fabric, yeah. they think, okay, this is you know something that the chief data officer or some high up person in IT would do to make sure all of our data is ready and accessible. But it doesn't work that way. Enterprises that are legacy are, are so big, they're so fast moving, there's so many different component parts. We can't just take the time to data fabric everything. I mean, it would take like a century. So it really is going to be based on specific business priorities. The con there, maybe, and and I'm not saying there's a better way, but the con is we're now building for a business problem we can foresee now and maybe some that we can foresee in the future. But our whole data fabrics, we might end up with a lot of different data fabrics based on different bespoke business problems that we have as opposed Mm -hmm. to maybe one leveled out kind of unified system and process. The level unified system process to do that first before getting any business value would just be crazy. It would never work. It would never get budget. Like I'm not saying it's a better choice, but how do we avoid building a lot of bespoke kind of data fabrics that only have specific value for one or two people, you know? Great, great question. And I think that the happy medium that we have found is one thing you take an enterprise view, which is one extreme. And the other extreme is, I think, the use case view. Like you just, okay, you build it for a particular use case, but that to be candid, it's not a data fabric anymore. You're just creating reusability within that use case. What we have found the happy medium is at a functional level or at a domain level, finance, supply chain, sales and commercial. 
if you at risk, if you go and start tackling these three, I mean, these by many company will have HR probably like the people side of it. You do like five or six of those things, and they are kind of overly interconnectedness between those also. Certainly, you make a lot of progress very quickly. It's very the business wire is very clear. You know who who you want, who's the sponsor for a supply chain yeah. data fabric is, who's the sponsor of this thing, and so so yes, you're right. I mean, it's, it's I mean the theoretically pure ways to do that at an enterprise level. We know the challenges. What we have found is the use case level is not very replicable. It's not very efficient. Do it at the domain level, and then over a period of time, kind of manage yeah. that. That's essentially the path we at least. Okay, this is great. And maybe what we can bring together in kind of the last little bit of our conversation about this topic is what it looks like to go at a domain level. Because I, I think the way that you've stratified that is great. Enterprise level, too abstract, probably too long to get to value, too far away from problems, and it would take forever, right? It's almost unrealistic. Use case level, we have a chance of doing a lot of effort for two or three people who need a dashboard. Domain level, we have a, a shot at, at having a lot of long-lasting value that might expand and grow with us. And ultimately, what are we trying to do with AI? I mean, we, we advise a billion times on the show, we shouldn't be thinking about band-aids. We should be thinking about building capabilities, right? You're speaking to me exactly. before we even got on the microphone about the importance of improving decision-making. That's about leveling up capability. So we found this middle ground, and I like this articulation of domain-specific. I'm imagining that I am, let's say, a head of customer experience, customer support at, at a retail bank or something. And maybe I'm looking yeah. at my domain, and I'm, I'm thinking about a data fabric. How should I conceive of my data sources and my use case in a way that I can align and conglomerate enough of them to build something that will be maximally supportive for this whole domain space? What would be the process we kind of walk through? I mean, number one is you want to, whichever way you want to start, you want to build a broader alliance. Like if you're a customer support, I mean, you are, you are basically talking about some sort of a customer yeah. data fabric, right? I mean, for that, Support is one element of that. Obviously, there'll be some use cases will be kind of interesting and there'll be probably 15 use cases that might be there, right? I mean, what's to sell next? What to kind of call next? What's like customer ex like experience measurement? But you would also want to think about, okay, in the customer domain, some of the marketing things would be relevant, right? Some of like what campaigns and other things, which might be outside your thing. So I think part of it is expanding a little bit of, okay, this, these, are, these are my direct domain that will be relevant. The, the first thing is start. This is exactly how we kind of did the, in the finance one. We started with like one sub segment of this, but then we expanded and said, "Listen, you need to do things in the accounting aspect of it, the tax aspect of it, and others." And we kind of broadened that set of use cases. And we said, "Okay, listen, it's not 15 use cases; it's actually 50 use cases." And you know what? Out of that 50 use cases, these 10 use cases, which seven might be in customer customer experience and customer support, and then the other three in probably marketing, and other two in activation or digital marketing they all look together. Let's kind of start building that out. So it's a little bit of, which is again, it's, it's you're kind of doing the same thing as you would do in an enterprise-wide, but rather than kind of solving the whole problem, you know you are working with the CMO organization more broadly or the COO organization more broadly, and you're going to go through that. It makes it, you're chunking yeah. it out. But then how you again build it, and then you say, okay, it's not only my 15 use cases, maybe only my seven use cases, all the three use cases. That's the first phase of it. That's how you would kind of go. Got it, got it, got it. So we'd have to, yeah. Like you said, it's it's a microcosm of what we do at an enterprise level, but luckily in a more manageable sense with a set of folks who might have more interconnected understandings, yeah. et cetera. And you're following the organization reporting structure. It's normally within one executive yes. who's able to go and drive it across multiple executives that you need to build. That, that's important to consider. And, and obviously for anybody who's operating within an enterprise, you already know how tough it is to operate okay. outside of those structures that exist. So this is kind of matching... Exactly the scale and scope that's reasonable for AI and for data fabric 
with the structure of enterprise and what's going to be realistic for adoption. So I like that as a rule of thumb. And I hope for those of you who are listening in, this has been helpful in terms of advice for where a data fabric might be valuable and also where you might bring it to life. Amaresh, I know that's all we had for time for this topic, but I'm glad we were able to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Abinash for being able to share his enthusiasm and insights with us today. The clarification of the concept of a data fabric I thought was helpful, but it's always useful to tie it to use cases. And to his point, the more that we can take this infrastructure and capability build and translate it to immediate value, the better off we are and the less likely we are to end up in the data swamp land where many folks ended up after the wave of big data some 10 years ago. So I had fun with this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I appreciate having you here as a listener, and I want to make sure that you don't miss any of our future episodes. The majority of you folks are also tuned in for our weekly AI newsletter, where we cover not only our interviews, but our latest frameworks, use cases, and more here at Emerge. If you want practical ROI-oriented insights around applying AI in the enterprise, not for folks that do tech, but for folks that guide strategy, then be sure you're on the newsletter. You can go to emerj.com slash n1. That's n as in newsletter, and then just the number one, emerj.com slash n1. And you can subscribe there and even mention the industries that you're interested in, and we'll make sure to send you more examples of AI content and coverage in those specific spaces. So next week, we'll be at it again. On Monday, we'll be covering our AI success stories series. As usual, a nice shot of espresso for getting your week started around a particular AI success story. And next Tuesday, we'll be back to covering AI use cases and trends. So look forward to catching you in the week ahead. Thanks again for tuning in.